We're in week four of our Love Does series, and all month we've been talking about building, renewing, and growing loving relationships like Jesus. I'm excited about this series because we're not just talking about love, we're gonna put love into action as a church. If you haven't heard already, October 5th and 6th, we're gonna give away the entire weekend offering. That's right, our leaders have prayed about this for months, and we sense God leading us to take every dollar that comes in that weekend and give it away to meet needs in our local community and around the world, because love does. The fourth focus is a personal passion of mine and many of you here at River Glen. This is all about growing the kingdom of God through supporting church plants. Church planting is part of who we are at River Glen, and over the years we've helped start nine new churches, which in turn have baptized over 900 people and impacted their communities in so many ways for Jesus. Church planting takes time and it is hard work. Just like having a newborn child, we are committed to nurturing these new churches, encouraging them and supporting them financially so that they can get off to a strong start. I've asked Ike Miller, pastor of our recent church plant called Bright City in North Carolina, to share a little bit about what our support has meant to them. Hi, River Glen. My name is Ike and this is my wife, Sharon, and we are the pastors of Bright City Church here in Durham, North Carolina. Wanted to share with you guys a little bit of what God has been doing here at Bright City since we launched about a year ago. Since we launched, we just believed that God was calling us to help people take their next step towards Christ. And we believe that this is a mission that all of us are called to. And that's what we've seen God do over the last year. Because of your generosity, Bright City Church has had a lot of really beautiful opportunities in this area. One thing that we are consistently told by people who are attending our church is that Bright City Church has been a place of healing for them. And we've also just seen God send a lot of people to Bright City. Uh, in fact, we just recently went to two services, uh, which is really exciting for a church of our age. Churches like River Glen have been huge for us in this process because we just have needed so much support as a brand new church, um, not just financially, which River Glen has been a huge part of, and we're so grateful to you guys for your generosity towards us, but also just the encouragement in this process, the voice of wisdom, someone that we can turn to when we say, hey, we're getting ready to make this change, or we're going through this, can you help us? Can you speak into this for us so that we do this well? And so partnering with churches like you guys has just been invaluable to us. So we just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for supporting Bright City Church. Church planting matters for so many different reasons, but one reason it matters is that we all the existing churches now cannot reach everybody. In order to reach everyone in our culture, we have to multiply and sim instead of simply just grow existing churches. And so you guys, through your generosity, you are on the front line of that work. You are doing that in Durham, North Carolina, and we are so, so thankful for you. We're committed to continue to help Bright City for the next year and looking forward to hearing more about how God is using this church to impact the Durham community. And then looking forward, we're excited to begin a new partnership to plant a new church in the country of Panama in March of 2020. Jose and Rosa Rodriguez have a passion to see their home country of Panama, specifically Panama City, reached for Christ. Panama City is one of the largest and ripest unchurched cities in Central America and has the potential to impact an entire region for Jesus. Let's pray for God to use Jose and Rosa and their son Christopher as they prepare to launch the new church in March of 2020. Let's also pray for the offering next weekend. This is a great opportunity for our church to demonstrate God's love in a big way. Putting love into practice is something that we do at River Glen. It's part of who we are and who we're called to be through Jesus.
Yeah, can we give it up for, for that? We're really excited. Uh, next weekend, we are so excited for the uh, big offering giveaway. We can't see, wait to see uh, what God does through all of us and through our generosity uh, here at River Glen. We are really excited for these four areas so that we can get out and, and give our whole offering to four different areas in our community. So. Well, everybody here today, those online and over at Pewaukee, welcome. Thanks for joining us. The stage looks a little bit different this week. We've got a triple team up here coming at you with the message. We're super excited to be continuing in this series, Love Does. So Love Does has been all about how love is an action word. Love just doesn't think about it. It takes action. We've looked at the Bible and learned that love speaks, love serves, love embraces, and today we're going to be learning that love takes time. Before we get started, we just want to take a second and introduce ourselves. My name's Taylor, and I oversee Kid Life Ministry here at River Glen. Kid Life takes place every weekend during every service at both Waukesha and Pewaukee. It's a dynamic, fun children's ministry for your kids. We have an awesome team of volunteers that take time every week to really share the gospel message with your children and build relationships with them. And for Garrett, Isaac, and I, one of the coolest parts of our jobs is getting to partner with you all as parents to be the spiritual leaders of your family. So we're really excited to have this opportunity to share with you about how love takes time, and we hope that some of this stuff will apply to your families as well. Yeah, yeah, and my name's Isaac. Like she said, I'm Isaac Morris. Uh, I'm the middle school pastor here at River Glen. I've uh, been here for about a year, and I've loved it so far, and and we just had our fall kickoff, our middle school ministry, Edge, did. It was great. We had a bunch of kids go crazy. Middle schoolers are crazy, and it was a lot of fun. Right across the hall, um, every Wednesday we meet from 6 to 8.30, and we have a lot of fun. Um, so if you're interested or you know a middle schooler, bring them out. We, we have a great time. We'd love to see them there. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and my name is Garrett. I'm the high school and college pastor here. Um, and our high school ministry specifically just had a relaunch a couple weeks ago. Uh, Unite is, is the name of our high school ministry. We meet, like Isaac said, down the hall also um, in the FLC uh, on Sunday nights from 6 to 830. So if you have a high schooler, uh, if you know a high schooler, get them plugged in. Um, it's an awesome opportunity to meet some people their age, uh, but also meet some leaders who want to who encourage them and walk through life with them. Uh, so yeah, we would love to meet you and talk with you um, about getting your child of any age uh, plugged into our ministry. But this weekend, we really want to talk about this idea that love takes time. And this is such a vital truth for all of us, I think, as we seek to love one another better, that it takes time, right? It's, it's, it's an important thing to, to realize and recognize. That's why you don't say I love you on the first date, right? Or at least you shouldn't. Some of you maybe needed to hear that this morning. Uh, don't say that. But uh, great things take time. Anything that's great is going to take time. Um, but I think in this current culture, this season, in our world right now, everything is so hurry, 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 or got to get to this, from this to this before this happens, right? I mean, what's the number one thing that people say when you ask how they've been, or maybe you say it? I'm just so, so busy, 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 right? Everybody says that. Maybe you've said it or you've been in a season where you feel like you're so busy. But I don't think that that current culture matches the culture or the heartbeat of the gospel. I mean, maybe you're feeling that way even this morning as you came in. Maybe there was an argument in the car or uh, a kid's shoe was forgotten at home or you were running late or right now you're thinking about the stuff you got to get done tomorrow before 9 a.m., Right? But that doesn't match, that doesn't quite match to the heartbeat of the gospel. Because all throughout scripture, we read of a God who is taking his time. He's deliberate, he's slow, and he's intentional. I mean, God, right, could have snapped his fingers and created the universe. But instead, he chooses seven special moments 
to create the earth. And Jesus, he could have at 10 years old overthrown Caesar, right, and started performing miracles, but he waits until he's 30 years old. There's something so beautiful about God taking his time and understanding that great things take time. And that's so true for us. So don't discount the wait. We don't want to, you know, get, get stuck in this waiting period. We want to encourage you to actually thrive in the waiting period and understand that, hey, all great things are going to take time. So before we get into this, we just want to stop. We want to relax our hearts and our minds and just go to God in prayer as we come into this conversation. So would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we recognize that in this season and in this culture of busyness, God, that you are calling us to rest. God, that you offer peace and joy. So God, may we take a deep breath and exhale and come into this moment ready to receive whatever it is that you have for our families, for ourselves, or for our relationships. We love you, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're excited to be with you guys today. We know it's a little different for you guys. It's different for us as well. Uh, and we've just been so excited to get in here and talk to you guys about how love takes time. Uh, we've been anxious to, to start this conversation. We've been talking about it a lot amongst ourselves. And, and we're excited to help you guys and as we help ourselves and navigate through uh, our busy lives, our busy schedules, uh, and everything that we have going on in our lives. We're excited to navigate better and find a way to love better, find a way to love more Christ-like. Uh, so that our love to others and all of our relationship reflects how Christ loved his church and how Christ loves us. Uh, and so each of us today, we're going to take one principle um, of love. And, and it, it goes around, love takes time. And we just want to help you guys as we help ourselves learn how to do that. Um, and so my principle, uh, the first point is going to be to choose quality time over quantity of time. Um, that's the first point um, that we want to dig into and, and navigate through. Um, and it's a hard one. It's hard for me. I struggle with this one a lot because it, it's, for me, it's hard to differentiate between those two things. Um, the way I've learned to do this, to differentiate between quality of time and quantity of time, is through the love languages. Um, maybe you guys know what the love languages are. Maybe you know yours. Uh, there's a couple different. There's a really good book called The Five Love Languages uh, by Gary Chapman. It's a great book. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but if you haven't, it's good. And it, what it does is it helps us, helps each of us as we read it, figure out what your love languages are. Um, and so there's quality time, there's acts of service, words of affirmation, um, gift giving, and physical touch. Those are the five love languages. Mine are acts of service and words of affirmation. So just do something for me and tell me I look good and I'll be, <laughs> feel loved. You know, that's all I need. Um, but my wife's, hers is quality time. And so this is one I've had to learn quite a bit about because quality time is not one of mine. I, I, I mean, I like quality time, but it's not something that makes me feel loved. However, my wife, Kaylee, this is a big one for her. And so I've had to learn the difference between quality of time and quantity time. I'll spend a whole day with Kaylee. We'll go grocery shopping. We'll, we'll go hang out and go to the movies, whatever. We'll spend a whole day together, 12 hours, and we'll get home, and she, and she doesn't feel like I loved her well. And the reason is, is because I wasn't intentional with the time that I was spending with her. I wasn't intentional. I wasn't engaged with her. And that's the difference. That's what I've learned is that the difference in quantity of time and quality time is being more than just present. It's being engaged. It's being intentional while we're present. And that's so true for all of our relationships. It's not just true for, for me and my spouse or even your spouse. It's true for you and your friends. It's true for you and your kids and you and your coworkers, whoever you are in a relationship with. It's true for all of us that we are called to love in a way that is more than being just present. 
we're called to love in a way we're intentional and engaged with them. And I just believe that that is so true, and it's, it's so reflecting of how the gospel shows us to love and how Jesus shows us to love. All throughout Jesus' life, we see all throughout the New Testament how Jesus led by example um, to his disciples and to us on how to love well. Uh, and he goes out of his way. He meets people. He's intentional about loving people. Like Garrett said, he didn't start his ministry until he was 30, and he left and he ascended into heaven at 33, so he was really only doing ministry on earth for three years. That's not that long, 36 months of ministry, and we read all throughout the New Testament example after example of Jesus impacting people's lives with quality time, with quality impact, and it's because he took the quantity of time, no matter what it was, and he made a quality impact. He took the quantity, which was three years, and he impacted people's life over and over again. There's a great story. Maybe you know it. It's called The Woman at the Well. Um, it happens in John 4. Uh, and Jesus, obviously a busy guy like we're talking about, he's traveling from Galilee to Samaria to, to minister to some people. But he decides to go out of his way around the side of a mountain to Shekhar, this town, this town called Shekhar. He goes out of his way to meet this Samarian woman. And he's on his way to do ministry. His disciples are telling him, we got to hurry. we got to go. we got people to see and the gospel to spread. But he says, no, I want to use this time to impact this woman's life. This small quantity of time that Jesus has, he takes it, and he goes around the side of the mountain, and he meets this woman who is in desperate need of guidance and love. She's in desperate need of, of somebody to love her well and to be intentional and engaged with her. And that's what he does. He goes out of his way. He doesn't care the amount of quantity of time he has, and he's intentional, and he's engaged. He speaks love, he speaks truth, and he speaks life into her. Yeah. And he speaks the gospel, and he teaches her how to love and, and how, to, how to navigate through life. And I believe that's what we're called to do in all of our relationships. I believe that that is what we are called to do, is to not only be present, but to be engaged. In your friendships, in your, in your family, with your spouse, with your kids, how can you be engaged? How can you turn whatever quantity of time that you have into quality time? And it's a challenge. It's hard. But, but in every relationship, we're called to that. And, it's not, and it is with their family, but it's, it's also with Christ. We are called to be more than present with Christ. We're called to be engaged. In every relationship that we have, it is much more beneficial for us and for them if we are engaged and intentional about loving them. You can be here, you can come to church, you can be present, and you can serve, you can come to service, you can lead a small group, do all the right things, and that's great. Don't hear me say that that's not good. Those are good things. However, how much better would it be if we are engaged and we are, we are more than present? Christ intends for us to grow and to learn, and if we're just present and that's where we stop, we're not going to get what God fully intends for us to get. If you're not engaged with the community, if you're not engaged with small groups, engaged in the message, engaged in worship, engaged with people, you're not going to reap the benefits that Christ has intended for you. You're not going to feel the love that Jesus has in store for you because you're not engaged with it. And that's what I believe we're called to. That's my first challenge for you is, is in your life, no matter what time you have, no matter the quantity of time you have, I know we're busy Use that quantity and make a quality impact and love with quality time in people's lives. Just as Christ loved the church and loved his people, we can love everybody that we're in relationship with. Definitely. 
Thanks for sharing that, Isaac. I totally can relate to that. Uh, I'm a new mom. I have an adorable two-month-old daughter named Emily, and what's the point of me being up here if I don't show you a baby picture? <laughs> she's super cute. So she's totally awesome, and parenthood has made my husband John and I busier than we've ever been before. I remember the first couple times that we left the house with her. I spent 20 minutes picking out the adorable little matching outfit, and John placed her in the car seat and preheated the car, well, actually cooled it down so that it was just the right temperature. And all I have to say is that did not last long. Uh, just the other day, I had Emily all dressed and ready to go. She was buckled up in the car seat, which you basically need an engineering degree to figure those things out. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I heard this rumble, which only meant one thing. She was about to have a huge poop. So she poops, and it kind of squirted out of the diaper a little bit, okay. but we were going to grandma's, and grandma loves changing diapers, so we just left it. Uh. Oops. <laughs> Grandma. So a lot changes really quick as you get busier and busier. And I have this checklist of things in my head that I need to get done in a given day. And it feels like it's always growing. And once I'm finished, there's a whole nother set of checklists that I could go to. Do you guys have a checklist maybe on your phone or on the refrigerator? Or maybe you're like me and it's in your head, which is a great place for it. And it's really hard to sometimes keep track of everything you need to do. For me, it's like, okay, I've got my work checklist. Have I done everything I need to do at home? I need to do the dishes, get the baby ready for bed, whatever it might be. Not to mention the different relationships in my life that I want to keep up with and finding time for a shower. Like, there's a lot to do. Time is at a premium, and I have to maximize the time that I have. And sometimes, the checklist can seem so daunting that it distracts me from connecting to those around me. Have you guys ever done this where you're supposed to be having a good time with your husband or wife or your kids or your friends, but your mind's already going to the next thing? You're thinking about, okay, after this, if I hurry, I can get to the dry cleaners and then to the grocery store, and then there'll be enough time to start the lasagna, whatever. Your mind cannot be engaged. So that brings us to our next point which is choose connection over completion. This means that we need to choose to connect with those around us rather than be so consumed with completing things that we forget. When we choose to connect with our spouse, our kids, our family, we are showing them just how much we love them. Let's look at how Jesus demonstrates this in Matthew 19. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. So like Isaac said, Jesus fit his ministry into three years, which means that his checklist of what he was getting done in those three years must have been pretty long. And the disciples knew this. The disciples try to say, hey, parents, keep your kids away. Jesus has stuff to do that's more important. But Jesus actually scolds the disciples and says, stop, you're missing the point. He takes time to connect with these children because he sees that as the most important thing. He says, these children, they are an important part of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm not going to forget about them. And that can be an easy trap for us to fall into to feel like there's so much to complete in a given day that we forget about some of the most important stuff of connecting with those that we love. So put the phone down. Unread emails, they'll still be there tomorrow. There's a dishwasher for a reason. Let it run tomorrow. T find that time to connect because you're not going to have a lot of it. 
And it might feel like it's just adding more stuff to your checklist. Okay, so now I need to remember to connect with all these people, blah, blah, blah. But it's extremely rewarding, and we're going to fail at it sometimes, but the Bible offers us this encouragement. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God's mercies never cease. He doesn't expect perfection. We have an endless second chances, endless forgiveness, and that's the attitude that we should also have with each other. Choosing connection over completion also applies to our relationship with God. When we put the checklist aside and spend time in prayer, worship, reading the Bible, it's just going to build our relationship with God as we connect. And there's so many ways to show love to those around us through connecting. I think sometimes I can overthink it and think it has to be this expensive or time-consuming thing. But just simple things like going for a walk together, going on a date night, getting outside and playing with the kids, sending an encouraging text to a friend, all those kind of things are great ways to connect. My mom and dad were really good at choosing connection over completion with us kids. My mom always had a long list of errands to run. She was awesome. She had a lot to do. But she always made it fun for us and made it a way to connect by bringing us along, singing fun songs in the car, letting us pick something out for ourselves at the store. On Sunday mornings back when River Glen met at West High School, I thought it was so cool to go with my dad early and set up the chairs and watch the coffee be made. And he'd take me with him early. I've been a late person since the day I was born and he'd wait for me while I got ready. And he'd even stop for a bagel on the way to church. And those types of moments created such a strong connection in our relationship. For all you parents of Kid Life kids out there, there's this really cool app that you can download on your phone called the Parent Q app. And this app has a lot of cool features. You can get connected to what your kids are learning in their kid life class and see their memory verse for the month. It has ways to talk about faith at home. And one really cool feature on the app is you can actually enter your child's birthday and it counts down the weeks until they turn 18. So I did this for Emily and I have 925 weeks, which sounds like a lot. But on Tuesday, it will have been 12 weeks, and it feels like it's been the blink of an eye. And that really brought it into perspective for me. It's not having the laundry done and the vacuuming done that matters, but it's connecting with my daughter, because that's time that I'm not going to get back. And I don't say this to make you feel guilty. Believe me, I do not have this figured out at all. But... That's why we're always figuring out that balance. And once we have the balance figured out, sometimes it feels like it gets thrown off again. But don't give up. Don't give up on connecting with those that you love. One easy way to remember this is don't let good things distract you from the best things. There's a lot of good things that we can do in a given day. But the best things, connecting, showing our love to others, those are the most important things. And don't forget those. That's so good. I, I love that idea of the good things and the great things. I think there's so many things in our culture now that we settle for good uh, rather than waiting for great or working uh, for great. Uh, one thing that I think is, is, is good and, and great in our culture but, but may have uh, ruined our culture uh, is, is the point that I want to share with you guys this morning is choose together over technology. Uh, choose together over technology. And this isn't going to be me saying, hey, throw your phones away, go Amish or whatever. Uh, use your phones. Like I have my phone, laptop, Netflix, Spotify. Like I love it all. I got like 30 apps or something on my phone, which may not even be that much. But I like technology, all right? So I'm not going to encourage you not 
to use it. Uh, I think it's good stuff. I think technology is a gift. I think it's great. But anything that's capable of blessing, which technology is, anything in life that's capable of blessing is also capable of destruction. And that happens if we do not have control over it. And so we need to take back control of this gift that we've been given, of this thing in our culture. We need to get control over technology. Because if we don't, then technology will own us. And right now it looks like that's what's happening. I mean, just based on these statistics that I want to share with you, 60% of U.S. college students consider themselves to have a cell phone addiction. 71% of people sleep with or next to their cell phones. Guilty of that one. Nearly 40% of people never disconnect from cell phones, even while on vacation. And 44% of Americans say they couldn't go a day without their mobile devices. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I went a full 24 hours with nothing, with no technology. I mean, we're addicted, right? Can we just admit and acknowledge that us as a society are addicted to technology and our cell phones? And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I have the right to do anything you say. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I want us to get to a place where the things in our lives, the things that we have in our homes, our families, our relationships are all beneficial for us. And the word that Paul actually uses here, beneficial, it literally translates to together. He's literally saying, I have the right to do anything I want, but not everything is going to bring us together. Not everything is going to create unity. So what are we doing to create unity? What are we doing in our families to bring us together? The first thing that I want to kind of encourage you to do is actually utilize technology. For your relationships and your friendships in your own life, utilize technology, right? We want to con- control it, so we've got to be intentional about how we're actually using it. So maybe it's putting the phone away on a date, or, or maybe it's, it's the leaving it in the car or whatever. Me and my friends, when we go out to lunch, we used to stack our phones in the middle. Whoever grabbed it first had to pay the bill. Uh, and so you could do that if you want. It's a risky game. But, uh, but there's so many different ways to utilize it. I remember growing up, um, I played video games, and I remember my first console was the Sega Genesis. Did anybody have the Sega Genesis? Just me? Okay, all right, yeah, cool. But I remember this moment. I was playing Xbox when I was like middle school or something, and my dad came in the room, and he sat down with me, and he turned on the other controller, and he whooped me in Madden. And it was this really cool moment where my dad played video games with me, and I really got to hit two birds with one stone. I got to hang out with my dad, who was my hero, but I also got to play video games, which is what I wanted to do. And it was this cool way of him utilizing that moment, utilizing technology to hang out with me. And so maybe that's, that's what some of us need to do. Maybe you have a kid or, or a husband or boyfriend who's into playing video games. There's this guy, uh, maybe you've heard of him, his name's Tyler Blevins, uh, but he also goes by Ninja. He has cool, colorful hair, and people literally pay to watch him play video games. Mm-hmm. He's estimated to make around $18 million a year playing video games. So I'm just saying, if you got a boyfriend or somebody in your life who plays video games, maybe it's time to start buying him the headphone and recharging oh the battery and you know, feeding him Doritos while they're playing or whatever. Some of the guys in here are like, yes, preach. I love this message, right? <laughs> but... But it's this encouraging way of, hey, I don't really know how to do this, but how can I utilize technology to create a bond or have better relationship with you? My family growing up, we all used to watch Survivor. You guys remember, anybody still watch that show? Every single week, we'd sit on the couch, sit together and root for our favorites, and we would watch Survivor. And it was a super cool moment for my family to bond and have this experience around a TV. 
We didn't allow it to control us. You know, there were rules with TV and stuff, but that moment was really special, and my parents really taught me in those moments to utilize technology, and I think so many of us can benefit from that. So let's use our technology, right? Let's use it for a benefit. Let's take control of it and see how it can benefit us and how it can bring us together. But while we do that, we also have to make sure that we value togetherness more. So let's utilize technology, but let's value togetherness so much more because that lasts. That's priority. That's what really matters. So when you're with friends or you're with family or with your kids or even by yourself, put the phone away. Do something to make that person feel loved instead. Be engaged, like Isaac was saying, in the conversation. Or take time to care for your soul. Don't just scroll through YouTube or your phone for hours on end while sitting there. Do something for yourself. Read a book. Do a, like find a hobby. Go outside. I don't care what it is, whatever it is. We are worshiping technology. The Bible is clear that what you worship is what you become. And based on those statistics that I shared, we are all on the fast track to becoming robots who can veg out and watch The Office on Netflix for the seventh time in a week, right? So instead, what if we decided to worship God? What if we decided to value our soul more? I mean, how much more effective could your family be or our church be or even just yourself if you valued your soul, if you valued togetherness, if you valued unity, and instead worshiped God and started becoming more transformed to his likeness, right? What did Jesus say? He said, my commandment is that you would love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love? We love sacrificially, relentlessly, intentionally, Mm -hmm. and he loved patiently, He understood that great things were going to take time. Maybe it was learning something new. Maybe it was doing something different. Jesus understood how to utilize everything around him to create unity and and make it beneficial for him. So use technology, utilize it, take control over technology, but make sure that we're valuing togetherness so much more than that. Yeah, thanks, Garrett. And I think... An important thing for us to remember as parents is that technology isn't going anywhere, Mm. and our kids are actually looking to us to model healthy technology use. They're going to watch what we do and model after that. So today has been all about time, and we work with kids and students, so we want to get practical for a minute here and talk to all the parents out there about how, what are some ways that you can spend quality time as a family. But we also think these things could apply to really any relationship that you have. So I work with kids, and something that's true of kids of all ages, birth to fifth grade, older, whatever, is that they love to play. It's that simple. They love to play. The language of children is play. So whatever that means for your kids, when they invite you to play, go for it. That's going to be an amazing way to connect with them, to spend some quality time. Look for ways to enter into how they're playing. Play dress up. Get outside and get dirty and play football. Don't be embarrassed. Just be a kid again. It can be super fun. And coming up at the end of October, we have our biggest outreach event of the year, Trunk or Treat. And we're doing that at both campuses, at Waukesha and Pewaukee. And this is an amazing way to get your kids out in their costumes and spend some quality time as a family. We need a lot of volunteers for this event. It's totally awesome. Uh, We have trunks that you decorate and kids come around. We have a carnival. And since we're doing events at both campuses, one really great way to spend quality time with your kids would be to serve as a family. So as a family, what if you picked one of the trunk or treat events to make a trunk and host a trunk, and at the other campus, go attend and actually be trunk or treaters? It could be super duper fun for you. There's a little insert in your seat back that you can fill out to volunteer and drop it off at the tent in the lobby. 
Yeah, yeah. me and Garrett have some good costumes planned. I'm not sure what we're going with yet, so I expect some, some good ones from you guys, too. Trouble. Um, but so my practical tip is for middle schoolers. Uh, middle schoolers are crazy, right? If you have a middle schooler, you know that. If you are a middle schooler, you know that. Um, you guys are crazy. You guys have so much going on in your lives. And, and, and my tip is for us parents and for us leaders um, of, of the family is, is to be intentional with your students and knowing what they like. Middle schoolers at their age, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, it's proven and it's factual that they are seeking identity. They're starting to find their place. They're starting to find out who they are. Middle schoolers are in the stage of life where they're, they're finding what makes them them. Uh, maybe it's sports. Maybe your student loves sports. Uh, maybe they love choir or singing or dance or video games or whatever. Your student is finding these things that make them them. For me, it was sports. I love sports. I played all sports when I was a kid. And my dad used this sports love that I had and he had as well to, to make it something between us. That is a huge connection that me and my dad had with sports. We watched Sports Center every night, and I still do it right now. I watch Sports Center every night. But that was a way for me and him to connect. And I believe that's so true for all of us as, as your students and as your kids are starting to find ways to find their identity in these things, in baseball and in choir. Find those with them. Be a part of that search. Be a part of their identity and learn about baseball. Learn about their sport. Sing with them. Play music in the car. Uh, play video games with them. Do these things with them so that each of their things that make them them, you're a part of. You're a part of what makes them them, and that's just going to build your growth and your connection even closer. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for high school parents, how many of you have had uh, this conversation before? Uh, high schooler gets home, and you say, how was your day? And they say, good. And that's it. Or it was fine. It was okay. That's okay. All right. That is my encouragement for you. <laughs> that that's okay. That your job, I, I think right now as a high school parent is to be available. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just to be available. And it may not happen as frequently as you like. The conversation may not go as planned. Uh, you may not get as much information as you would like from the conversation. But be available, because at some point, something is going to happen where they're going to need you. They're going to need you to maybe just sit there and not even say anything, and just listen. Or maybe they're going to need that advice that you've been dying to share for years. But if you make yourself available and you make it known, hey, I'm here, whenever, whenever you're ready, I'm here, no matter what. One, one cool way that my family did this growing up is we would have family dinner as many nights as we could a week. Um, we would sit around the table, we would help prepare the meal, and then we'd all like set the table, placemats and everything, and we'd have dinner together. And we did this thing, we'd go around the table, uh, we called it a uh, very creative name, good thing, bad thing. Uh, other people maybe called it high to, highs and lows or uh, happy crappy. Uh, I don't know if you can say that in church. But uh, we, we would go around the table and we'd each share a good thing, right, and a bad thing. And it was this cool way for each of us in the family to say, hey, this is what I got going on. Uh, this is kind of my good thing from the day. This is my bad thing from the day. And it was for all of us to cheer for each other, to root each other on, to pray for each other. And it was cool for us to just know, hey, this is what my parents are going through. This is what my siblings are going through. And it was a way for us to be available. So maybe family dinner every single night, not your thing. Maybe you want to go eat out, whatever. That's great. Pick a night that you're all free. Go to a restaurant that you love or pick a night that you're all free and order pizza in or make a meal together and sit down together and have a meal and talk about those things. And every single night, not going to be perfect. The conversations aren't going to be great and there may be an argument that's out of the table, but that's okay. If you're making yourself available in your relationships, eventually you're going to see good things come from that. 
Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, we hope that some of this will help you to um, build quality relationships yeah. in your life. Let's pray. God, we just come before you humbled that you love us so, so much that you would send Jesus to die for us. And I just pray, God, for everybody here today and for myself that we can apply these principles and just grow closer to you and grow closer to those that we love. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming today. If you're new, remember to uh, check out that Welcome Center wall, and we'll see you next week.